Welcome to the Radical Mother Village. If you're new here, a radical mother is a woman poised in her power, ready to disrupt cycles of generational trauma running through her family like wildfire. She's working to improve her life, the lives of her children, and shape the landscape of her community. If that's you, you're in the right place. This podcast is designed to connect you with resources, inspiration, and the reminder that you are not alone as you embark on your journey of radical mothering. I'm your host, Krista Bevan, dynamic self-care coach for radical moms, and I'm so excited you're here with me. Now let's dive in. All right, mamas, welcome back to another episode of the Radical Mother Village podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about rest, both how rest can be a radical act, how not getting enough of it goes against our very nature, why mothers especially are prone to foregoing rest, and what systems need to change to better support moms, especially in early motherhood, and then also how we can turn our rest into embodied forms of prayer. So first, let's start with the idea of rest being a radical act. And I think it makes sense here to look deeper at the meaning of the word radical. So radical comes from the Latin radic, meaning root. And when we look at it in this light, humans historically have observed a day of rest or a Sabbath day as a day to recharge, to connect with divinity, to disconnect from labor and effort and work, and to return to that place of regular acts of rest is radical both in the sense that it returns us to our roots as civilized humans, but also radical in the sense that it goes against the conventional ethos of overworking ourselves to the point of overwhelm, exhaustion, and burnout. Because in our culture, we equate our work and our productive output with our worth. And that's what capitalism and the patriarchy have us conditioned to believe. Under those systems, you need to keep working and working and earning and producing and working and earning and producing in order to be seen as a valuable contributing member of society. We see what we can contribute to society as being the only metric upon which to measure ourselves and determine our worthiness. But as you might be able to guess, I think that's BS. Instead, I believe that our worth is innate. This is not something that can be given to us. And worse yet, it's not something that can be taken away from us. Instead, it just is. And it can be really hard to break out of the mindset of needing to be chronically busy as a way to justify our existence. But I think that's especially true for mothers. So as women, and we all know this, but on average, we earn less than men. We are more often than not the primary caregiver for our children, whether we work full-time in addition to parenting or not. And oftentimes, if there is a parent who stays home from work or works from home to be with the children, it's usually mom. And the point of saying all of this is that as women and as mothers, we do a lot. And a lot of times... We are doing it alone or with very little support. Even if we have the support of our husband or spouse or partner, we don't have a lot of 
societal support in this. And so I just, I want to rant for a moment about a, a particular pet peeve of mine, which is, and I'm sure many of you were told this and have heard this, but you know the advice that's thrown out there to new moms that says, sleep when the baby sleeps. Well, I just, I want to ask these people who say that, who do they think is going to do the work that can only be done with two uninterrupted hands if she does that? And I'm not talking about doing extravagant things like dusting or scrubbing the toilet or putting laundry away. I mean the bare minimum of things that it takes just to keep a household running, like buying groceries or paying the bills or cooking the next meal or just even washing laundry. The modern nuclear family household units that we live in aren't good for supporting moms in general, let alone in pursuing getting any kind of rest. So is it any wonder that moms are so prone to burnout? So I came across a statistic not that long ago that said something like mothers on average lose an estimated 700 hours of sleep in the first year of their child's life alone, and that it can take her on average six to seven years to fully recover from the effects of disrupted sleep and return to normal sleep patterns. To which I say, no kidding. And if there's any mamas out there listening who, like me, have or had troubled sleepers, I could do a whole episode just on the saga of sleep in my house, you know that it's actually a whole lot more than that. And that the effects of sleep deprivation, so I'm not even talking like rest in addition to a good night's sleep, but just even making it to the minimum of getting a good night's sleep, you know what a challenge that can be. And you know why sleep deprivation is used as a torture technique, as I learned, because my sleep deprivation was so bad, I thought I was going to have a mental breakdown. When my son was about 10 months old, I thought I was going to have a full and complete psychotic break. And I'm not saying that hyperbolically. I really was worried about my mental health. That's how little I was sleeping. Anyway, the point is, is that for mothers to get more rest, mothers need more support. It's really that simple. We need to do better for them. And I've talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast because I don't think that mothers are supported enough, right? And it's it's my mission in life to see that change. I want better for us. Mothers are the most important people in the world. We need to be supported and treated and regarded and honored in that way. And that doesn't happen right now. We need to stop idolizing productivity. We need to start changing the systems that leave the workload disproportionately in the laps of mothers. And we need to create more economically available childcare for families everywhere. Mothers can't do and be everything for their kids, and yet society expects us to do that and to do it with a smile. It's ridiculous. So let's switch gears here for a moment, and let's talk about why rest is so important in the first place. I mean, we all know that what it's like to, to have disrupted sleep and to not feel good because we didn't get enough rest, and we've all been sleep-deprived in the beginning of our child's life. We all know that. But there's something even greater than that at play. And there's something even larger that's disrupted when we don't get enough rest. And that's that continually going and going and going until we're gone goes against our very nature. Okay, so let me tell you a story. We're going to go off on a, on a side note here. But this story relates to what we're talking about. So I used to work at a garden center. I actually met my husband there. He still works at the garden center. 
And while it wasn't my job to work in the houseplant department, I would often help fill in there. Let's face it, I love houseplants. There's a reason I worked at a garden center. If you know me in real life or have ever been on a Zoom call with me, there's no place for me to be in my house without plants in the background. It's like a jungle in here. But anyway, the point is, there was one day I was helping to fill in in the conservatory, the houseplant department. And my friend, who's the manager of that department, was talking to a customer. And the customer had brought up this plant. It's called a Kalanchoe. I can put a picture of it um, on the blog post for this show. But it's this small succulent type plant and it has these really beautiful bright flowers. And Kalanchoe's are great because they're super easy to take care of and the flowers last for a really long time and they're beautiful and they're nice and bright. And they're usually available in the winter when it's, you know, snowy and cold and dark outside. And so they're a nice way to brighten up your house. But the flowers don't last forever. And so the customer was talking to my friend and said, how long is it going to flower for? And my friend told her just that. You know, it'll flower for a long time, but then at a certain point, it'll stop flowering. So then the customer says, okay, well, what do I do to get the flowers back? And my friend says, what you do is you take the plant, you put it in a paper bag, you seal the bag up, set it in a dark closet, close the door, and forget about it for two weeks. After two weeks, take it out, water it, put it in a sunny windowsill, and start caring for it again. And the customer sort of looked at her like, seriously? Like, I can just ignore it for two weeks? I can just do that and it won't die? And my friend goes, no, that's exactly what it needs. It needs a period of dormancy so that it can recharge and reset itself and gather the strength it needs to set out new flower buds and blossom again. And as I listened to her telling that story, I remember how it hit me that there's such a beautiful metaphor in there for us as humans as well right? And that we don't do that. We think, you know, we have this fallacy as humans that we think we are separate from nature. But the reality is we are nature. And when we look to nature, mother nature as our guide and our teacher, we see that nothing runs at full speed forever. There's a natural cycle of creation and production. Think the spring and summer seasons of the year. And then a natural slowing down, a time for reaping the rewards of that effort and enjoying them and eventually a period of rest before it all starts up again. So think of the fall, the autumn, and the winter. But we arrogantly think that humans are immune to these laws of the natural world. And those laws of the natural world dictate that we take rest like everything else But instead, we see it as some kind of badge of honor to keep going even when we're exhausted. My friend Linda Krauss Barnett, I've actually been on her YouTube series before, and I have interviewed her for projects I've done in the past, and she says something that really stuck with me. Um, She talks about this idea of rebooting your life. That's that's like one of her business slogans, and it's been a part of her story. But she, she talks about the metaphor of your phone, and you know that when your phone runs out of juice, you have to recharge it. And better yet, when you get the little message that says that you need to update to the next whatever software system, there's a term for that, I'm sure, that I'm not thinking of right now. But when it's time to update your phone, you need to power it down and reboot it to let that happen, right? And the same is true for us. We need this period of rest where we allow ourselves to reboot and then come back as an updated version of ourselves. But if we never take that time to rest, we never get to that place. 
So finally, I want to switch gears once again a little bit, and I want to talk about how we can turn resting or napping into an embodied form of prayer that honors all of the times that the women before us were not given the space. And actually, I almost just said given the luxury, because that is how ingrained this is, even in me, even as much as I know this and do work to actively dismantle these ideas in my mind. And so it's my first inclination to call resting a luxury, and it's not that at all, right? It is absolutely a necessity. But anyway, when we rest, we can use this opportunity to let it be devotional. And the other thing that this helps is that it helps us drop into rest easier. And I've noticed this in my own life. I've started practicing this. I've been practicing allowing myself rest, allowing myself to nap more frequently, and it has made a world of difference for me. But let's face it, even when we're given the opportunity to rest sometimes, it can be really hard to actually allow ourselves to do that, to sink into stillness and to quiet our minds enough to relax or better yet, even fall asleep because we lay there and we endlessly mull over our to-do list, right? We, we roll it around in our head or we think about all the things that we're not doing that we could be doing or should be doing, right? And it, it makes it really hard to actually be recharged when you're not resting in your mind. So what I've started doing is I've started dedicating my naps and my intentional rest periods to my ancestors. So this is something I talked in the episode I did with Jen Wendy, who's an ancestral trauma healer, and I've done a lot of work with her since recording that episode. But her and I were talking about this idea of rest as this devotional act, offering rest up as a form of prayer. Again, it's honoring the women ancestors of mine who came before me that weren't allowed this opportunity on their own, and what it does is it gives me greater purpose beyond myself. It lets me serve a greater good and makes it easier for me to treat this as a sacred time. And let me tell you, since I've started doing this, it's made all the difference for me. It allows me to drop into that place of rest so much quicker. And I feel this energetic shift that happens when I do that as well. I feel this almost sigh of relief from my ancestors who are guarding me, you know, my protectors and my guardian angels. I can feel them like sighing in relief, this sense of gratitude that I'm doing this. And that's something that you can do also, right? There's nothing special about what I'm doing. All that I'm doing is I'm laying down, I'm setting that intention, I'm offering it up, and then I'm letting that offering do the magic of allowing me to rest. So this is something that's available for you to try as well. All right, so let's wrap up this conversation by talking about what it means to make space for rest in our lives, specifically as radical mothers, because that's why we're all here, right? We all, anyone listening to the show Hopefully, you're in the right place. If you identify with this idea of being a radical mother, of doing the work of consciously dedicating yourself to breaking cycles of generational trauma, and in that way, when we allow ourselves to rest, what we're doing is we're also showing our kids that they can too. We're modeling to them the kind of world we want them to live in, which is where they're 
worth is not equated with their work. Where we break that generational trauma of sourcing our worthiness from some external validation. Instead, we're teaching our kids it's okay for them to follow their bodies, to listen to their bodies, right? Little kids know this. That's how, We've all seen the videos of the little kid falling asleep in their high chair into a face full of spaghetti. Again, this isn't my kid, so I think that that's staged. I'm, I'm not convinced that it's real, but people tell me that their kids actually fall asleep like this, so I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But anyway... The point is little kids don't know except to listen to themselves and to honor their desire and their need for rest. And then they learn to outgrow that. And so what we can do as radical mothers is remind our children not to lose that. We can remind them to stay connected to that part of themselves that says, I'm tired and I'm going to stop now. I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to take a break and then I'm going to come back recharged. We model to them this way of living that honors the natural cycles and rhythms of the world as well as those of their own bodies. We teach them to respect what makes us beautifully human and we also help to heal the trauma of overworked, underrested mamas that have come before us. And then the other thing that happens is that when we rest and we talk about resting, we brag about resting, right? I'm big about bragging. I believe in collaboration over competition. I want to see other women succeed. I want them to brag about it. And then I want to cheer them on in doing that. And that includes mamas who are taking time to rest. And when we do that, we're inspiring and encouraging the tired mamas that continue to surround us to reclaim a space of rest for themselves also. And that, dear mamas, is a radical act that I encourage all of you to participate in more. All right, mamas, that wraps up another episode of the Radical Mother Village. Thank you so much for listening. I know how valuable your time is, and I appreciate that you're willing to spend some of it with me each week. If you are looking to dive deeper and connect with fellow Radical Mothers, you can do that by joining the virtual village that I facilitate over on Facebook. You can find the link to that in the show notes, or you can also search within Facebook itself for the Radical Mother Village. Over there, you'll find other like-minded mamas doing this work, supporting and encouraging one another, and it's also a great way to connect directly with myself, get a sneak peek on upcoming content, and get access to exclusive offers and resources. 